Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. If the nicest, coziest phrase in the English language is, welcome home, a close second has to be, let me feed you. My guest today is a woman who has mastered the art of the welcome, drool-worthy buttercream cupcakes, and meals that beg to be eaten in cozy slippers in front of a fire. Entertaining expert and best-selling cookbook author, Rosie Dakin. With bestsellers including Buttered Baked Goods and Butter Celebrates, her latest ode to the pleasure of food and entertaining is the warm and convivial Let Me Feed You, which shares everyday recipes offering the comfort of home, so you can make every day a celebration. Welcome, Rosie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, We're going to dive into your books, which are beautiful and chock full of amazing recipes. But I would love to have you start simply by telling our listeners where you're joining me from today and how you first got your start in the food world. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm joining you from Vancouver, Canada. Um, And it's a actually a beautiful sunny day right now. Uh, It's been raining and raining and raining. But yeah, uh, so Vancouver. And I got my start uh, kind of the same way I get, I got my start in everything in that prior to owning my bakery, I was an interior designer for uh, a long time, 10, 12 years. And, but I'd always wanted, I had this idea in my head since, seriously, since a child uh, that I was one, ga- one day going to own a bakery. So back in 2007, I finally went ahead and did it, and um, I opened Butter Baked Goods, and with no training, <laughs> no, no background in the food industry in any way, uh, just uh, you know, completely just went for it. And but it was a very tiny little bakery, and I really thought you know it would be it would be manageable, and and it was tucked up on a, a side street in. Uh, you know, you know, in the west side of Vancouver, I thought, you know, who's going to find me? It's it's just going to be a fun way for me to spend my day. And you know, in short order, a lot of people found me, and and it took I off. To, I, I, I had to figure it out really quickly. <laughs> it's I love the idea that you just sort of jumped in feet first and said, "This is like a long time dream, a long simmering dream that I'm going to just going to go for, and I'm not going to worry about all the, you know, the the things that." Um, well, that could you know, stand in the way of your dream because yeah. sometimes we get in our own way and we don't do the things that we want to do. And it sounds like you just, you know, gave yourself a talking to and went for it. Yeah. And I mean, that, that for sure, that is my nature and that I, you know, I always joke and say, if I say out loud that I'm going to do something, that's usually like, oh, no, I said it because <laughs> then I'm going to do it. I have to do it. And so, you know, once I kind of verbally made that commitment that I was going to open a bakery, there was just, I had to, I was following through. I was going to make it happen. And, and I agree with you. You, you just can't listen sometimes to those thoughts you have yourself, but also usually best not listen to most people because of course, you know, everyone that I, knew, not necessarily my, my close friends and my family, because they had all been eating my baking for ever and ever. And they weren't that surprised. Uh, but a lot of people that don't necessarily know you fully, they knew me as an interior designer. So, you know, when I said, Oh, yeah, no, I'm going to open a bakery, they all looked at me like I was nuts. And, you know, you got a lot of sort of 
Uh, not like it's just sort of negative feedback. Like, sure. Well, people oh, are concerned. Yeah. They want to make sure yeah. you know, people. I think people's instinct is to try to you know make sure that no one's going to like make a misstep or and so yeah. they, they get they they get in the way too and they say, "Are yeah. you sure? Is that a good idea? Or maybe somebody else could help you?" And so I think it's smart to to not listen to your own inner voice or own worries, but not to listen to the nags of others because. I read in one of your books, you, you launched your uh, bakery, I think, right before Thanksgiving. And, you know, we're yeah. inundated with pie orders. And, like, you know, very quickly it became clear that you had a home run on your hands. So how did yeah. you move from, you know, your 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 bakery is was a beloved institution. But how did you move from a physical bakery into um, cookbook writing and really sort of entertaining and lifestyle content? Well, so, you know, with the bakery, it was, it, it was just always like everything. It's always just me sort of, I joke and say, catching up, you know, I'm, I'm catching up to my next idea. I've got it, but now I've got to just keep moving. So, you know, I never had, I never had a business plan. I didn't have, you know, these, this was what my one-year goal is, my five-year goal is, I, you know, no, every day was a new adventure. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, for the bakery, when I first opened it, and I was kind of just struggling to kind of get my sea legs, within like a month of opening, uh, Whole Foods came and said, showed up and said, hey, we'd really like to carry your products. You know, there's, you've got, you know, marshmallows was a really big thing that I was doing and that just was seemed such a novel concept back then. And um, so I just had to, I just had to figure it out very quickly. And so did you get your marshmallows into Whole Foods? Oh yeah. By Christmas. So that was, they came to see me in October and I, I was in Whole Foods the week before Christmas. Oh my gosh. How phenomenal. What do I, that's such a cool story. Yeah. You know, but you know, it's so I, I think that like that makes it sound like it maybe isn't as challenging as it was. But the the other thing about me is if I say I'm going to do something, yes, I'll do it. But I'm also a complete and total weirdly driven workhorse when it comes to these kinds of things, like to my own detriment sometimes. So um, so it was a lot of a lot of like just research and just figuring out how do you bring a product to market? I mean, what's a UPC code? How do I get one? How do I? So it was some very, very long nights, but I recognized uh, that this was a great opportunity and I just didn't want to let that pass. And, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't something I planned for, you know, but it was a, a challenge that was kind of presented to me that I saw, Oh, this could, this could take this business somewhere or, you know, me somewhere by doing this. So yeah, I, I pushed through on that. And then once, once you've done that, and once you've answered all those questions and you figured it out, well then, you know, the next grocery store chain, that's, that's a lot easier. Yes. So yeah. And so that's kind of, so, you know, that started to develop a whole new aspect of the business, like the wholesale end of it. And I was still trying to master the retail end of it. So and when um, did you decide to add cookbooks to the equation? Because it sounds like well, you had a lot. Of- <laughs> yeah. So I will say, I, you know, again, total madness. So, so I, I opened uh, Butter Bakets in 2007. I, that particular location was, again, like I said, little neighborhood 
bakery that had been a bakery in that building for nearly a hundred years. And when I uh, took over that space, but there was no seating. It was literally like, come in, come up to the counter, order your baked goods. We didn't serve coffee or anything like that. But I knew that by the fifth year, we were getting to kind of this breaking point. Like we either had to expand or, you know, we were outgrowing it just based on the volume. I, and, and, I, and I will say in, within that five-year period, I, I had also taken on another space just to produce the marshmallows. So we had a separate facility that we made marshmallows in um, because, you know, they just, they just went crazy. We shipped them all over the States, into Japan, like all over Canada. So that was, again, like now an, almost a separate business on its own. And um, so fortunately, just a few blocks away from the original location, another location that was just being developed came available. Like it was a building going up. And I was very, very particular about my vision for the kind of place that butter should live. You know, I didn't see it. Butter is not, to me, it, it's not the kind of place you're going to find on um, like a main drag. You're not going to find it in a mall. You're, it, I just had this in my mind, this personality for butter that I felt it had to be situated within a neighborhood. It, it, it was supposed to be a community kind of spot, not, you know, not corporate. A or, because they, they, ha they have a very romantic sort of old fashioned look. It feels, they feel very cozy. Yeah. Yeah. And beautiful. And so I was hesitant to put butter into a new, new space, a newly developed space, because, you know, the character that came with the original space just came from the sheer fact the building was literally nearly falling down. So <laughs> you get that age with it, you know? Um, so anyways, I, I persevered and I took that space in uh, a, the same week that I signed the lease on the new space, which doubled our size and allowed us to, uh, for me to create uh, like a lunch, breakfast and lunch menu, seating, coffee bar, all, you know, we just kind of became, instead of just butter baked goods, we were now butter baked goods and cafe. Um, the same week I did that, I signed uh, my book deal, my first book deal with uh, Penguin Random House. And I, and that came to be in kind of a weird story, but again, <laughs> I guess quite reflective of the way I operate. But I was on vacation with my husband in this, in the summer before. So in 2011, I was, we were actually in France and I was sitting in a restaurant in Paris. I had just come back from doing the fancy food show in New York which is like, well, it is, it's a trade show for gourmet food. And I was there to showcase the marshmallows and they have an award uh, that they give out called the Sophie award. And it's the specialty food. It's kind of like the Oscars for gourmet food items. And the marshmallows had won um, a, a silver Sophie award. So somewhere through that whole process, Publishers Weekly, I guess, had been at the show, someone had, and had written a story about the show. And at the very, very end of that story, which I would have never known or had access to, I mean, it's, it's a publication created for the publishing industry. But somebody 
wrote that story and they wrote at the very end, why isn't somebody doing a cookbook with Rosie Dakin? And had a little blurb about uh, my marshmallows. I didn't know that existed until I was sitting in a restaurant in Paris and I checked my emails and I had been contacted by a literary agent in New York who had read it and sent me an email to say, hey, why aren't we doing a cookbook? Like, I mean, <laughs> it's just so random. And, and I'll tell you what else is just so crazy about this story. You know, who am I? I'm some lady in Vancouver just running a bakery. Well, the literary agent that contacted me, a lovely woman, Janice Denode, um, she sent me her list of clients saying, these are the kinds of people I represent and I'd love to have a conversation with you. And like literally this list, if you'd read Melissa Clark and um, oh gosh, uh, like, oh, um, I'm trying to think now. This is so crazy. But these are all people like so the many of them names. are on the network. We're on like it was absolutely nuts and I'm just giggling to myself and I had had a few glasses of wine but I my husband came back from the bathroom and I'm like you are not gonna believe this how crazy is this I love this story this is so remarkable and you know what that that um that literary agent was smart that you know they they well I mean kudos to her and you know the thing I, I I'm sure I've told her but but uh, I laughed at the time because I think her email started with, I'm sure you're getting a lot of these emails today. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, this is the only email I've gotten. But um, anyways, you know, that started a conversation, a, a great dialogue with her. But of course, long distance, you know, I think I boxed up and sent her a whole bunch of baking. And, and you know, we just started this back and forth. And then the, the following um, spring, I was in New York. Uh, our daughter was away at university and we had kind of met up in New York to spend the week together. And while I was there, I contacted uh, this literary agent and said, Hey, I'm in New York and maybe we can meet in person, which was great. And we had this really nice conversation, Frank, but she was really honest. And she said, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't think I could actually do something with you in America because right now, because nobody knows who you are in America. So you should probably go home and you should contact um, a Canadian, like Canadian publishers and, and see what they have to say. So I was like, Oh, okay, good advice. So I went home and maybe a week later I was sitting at the computer in my pajamas one morning. And I thought, you know what? I should really do that. So I Googled top five publishers in Canada. And of course, the first one that came up was Random House. Uh, and, and it so was meant I to was, be. It was meant to be. Well, I just called them. I called and the receptionist answered. And I said, and this was, I was calling back east to, to Toronto. And I said, hey, you know, here's, here's my story in, you know, in a minute blurb. And she said, you know what? I think you should probably be talking to Appetite. And they've got an office in Vancouver. Okay. She gave me their number and I called them and my wonderful, wonderful um, publisher and editor, but my editor, Lindsay answered and we had a conversation and she said, can you come into the office tomorrow? And you said, mm-hmm. of course, of Rosie, course this is I such can. a fantastic story. I love this. I love this so much. I love that this, you, you Googled. I love that you cold called. I love that you did all those things. 
We are going to take a very quick commercial break, but when I come back, I want to hear about how that first cold call led you to three cookbooks. We'll be back right after this break. Hey beauties, can you believe we're already heading into the holidays? This season brings me so much joy, but can also bring heightened amounts of stress. Keep your holiday season merry and bright by remaining invested in your self-care. And yes, that means our menopause rituals too. Now we can care for our skin, mind, and body with the help of our friends at Kindra. Kindra's line of estrogen-free menopause essentials can help us manage mood swings, hot flashes, and make sure we're getting the restful sleep we need to enjoy our holidays. I feel great about relying on Kindra since all of their products are backed with years of research. Their potent formulations include natural actives like ashwagandha, pycnogenol, and niacinamide to offer full-range symptom relief when used consistently. Kinder has a holiday offer for certain age listeners. Use code KD20 at checkout for 20% off your first order or subscription. Head to rkinder.com to gift yourself self-care this holiday season. Rosie, we're back from the break. You have done the Googling. You've done the cold <laughs> pitching. You have connected with somebody who um, it sounds like her name is Lindsay. And she went on to do three books with you. Um, yeah. So it, it just goes to show that when you sort of throw your hat over the wall, when you when you just sort of put yourself into motion, that amazing things can happen. I would love to yeah. hear a little bit more about Let Me Feed You, since I know it's your latest book. Uh, and I know that it focuses on simple homey foods, which is which is different how, from how you got started, because you had started yeah. in, in baked goods. But you've incorporated, um, you know, sort of everyday comfort food into your latest book. Can, can you tell us a little bit about why you chose to pivot into this different type of culinary offering. And I would also love to to know what is your sort of go-to dish from that that book that makes um, a weekday feel celebratory? Oh, well, easy peasy. So, uh, of course, Butter Baked Goods and Butter Celebrates were written basically under the butter umbrella. You know, these were all of the things that we created on a daily basis. And then for all of the various holidays, we focused on that when I wrote Butter Celebrates. But but the reality is, of course, you know, bakers don't live on sweets alone. Bakers have to feed their families. And and really, that's that's where I started. You know, I mean, yes, I was a keen baker, but I was a keen entertainer. I love I love feeding my family and my friends and, you know, having everybody over constantly. And it was just a huge part of who I was. And so it made sense that I would kind of come out from underneath the butter thing and, you know, as the butter lady and say like, yeah, um, but this is, this is really who I am at home. This is how I, you know, this is how I live my life. And so, and uh, let me feed you gave me an opportunity to showcase that, to showcase not just my, um, my cooking, but also just there's many stories I've written throughout the book that just talk a lot about various aspects of my life, uh, stories about entertaining itself. And, you know, it just gave people a much fuller uh, image and understanding of who I was. And uh, so that just felt like a very natural progression to me uh, from, you know, just so I wasn't ever 
known forever as the butter lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, that's one of the, the great things about sort of getting older and evolving your career is that you can choose new things and you don't have to be the same person tomorrow that you were yesterday. And it sounds like you've you did that with Let Me Feed You. So we are in a season of celebration, as you know, right now, and a lot of us are going to be entertaining friends, family, you know, what, what kind of comfort food from Let Me Feed You should we be incorporating into our entertaining for the holiday well, season? You know, the one thing for me when I'm entertaining is I want to make sure that uh, I, I don't like chaos in the kitchen. Uh, when people arrive, I like to do as much as I can in advance. I, you know, and I don't like anything to ever be too fussy because, you know, it's, it, you know, life is just challenging enough. Let's not do, let's not add to it. Um, so for me, for fall, winter, I love making the vegetable lasagna. The roasted vegetable lasagna is such a winner recipe and everybody loves it. And I love it because I can do it in advance. So it just takes, you know, that much stress out of the whole, uh, the whole event. Um, I also love it because it's vegetarian. Like it, you know, it's a dish that can serve a crowd and I don't have to stress. So that's a really good one. And I would also say not vegetarian, but the beef stew. If you were going to do something again in advance that feels really hearty, but the presentation of it can actually be quite um, elevated if you wanted, uh, that would be a great one. Super easy, delicious, and you can serve it. You know, you can serve it over mashed potatoes. You could serve it over polenta. You could serve it over a beautiful toasted piece of rustic bread. You could like. There's a lot of ways to kind of approach that, but at the heart of it, it's still really simple, but it's, you know, it's a one pot dinner. It sounds phenomenal. The, the, your cookbook is just bursting with things that I want to make. You you said thick um, toasted piece of, of bread. I saw that you had a fried mushrooms with sour cream that you served mm -hmm. over a sourdough bread. I saw your mashed potatoes with uh, borson cheese, and I was absolutely drooling. Um we do you have a special dish that you look forward to making for the for maybe for your Christmas if you celebrate Christmas or if you celebrate oh, yeah. what is what is always well, on your menu? You know the thing with Christmas or you know any sort of thing or Thanksgiving, which is uh, you know American Thanksgiving and I imagine American Christmas as well. Um, you know it's always about the turkey. It's always <laughs> the turkey dinner, but I'm much more into the side dishes than I am into the turkey part. So uh, that borsan mashed potatoes you talked about is a great, just again, takes your potatoes up next level. I love that. Um, oh, there's some green beans, a green bean recipe I have with this pancetta sprinkles on top, which I love the salty on the green beans. It's so good. Um, thinking about what else is in there. There's so many. There's so, so many. Small. There's so many dishes. So, you know, and, and so many things to really celebrate and enjoy with family and friends. And holiday eating really is about indulgence. But uh, when we wake up in January and we want to reacquaint ourselves with lighter, healthier choices, do you have a, a kind of a reset meal or a reset dish that's in Let Me Feed You um, that you can recommend? Absolutely. Well, you know, what I would say is by the time we get to January, I'm so with you. We're, I'm, I'm done. I'm done on... I'm done on sweets and I'm done on anything too heavy, but there's a whole chapter in there just on soups. And I, I mean, 
you just can't go wrong with a good bowl of soup. And there's one in particular that I created that's based on green juice. You know, it was something my daughter was really into. Sure. Um, so I, I developed a, a soup around that. So it's, you know, it's chock full of uh, kale and spinach. Uh, there's some miso paste in it. There's a little lemon. It's just, it's really fresh, but it really is incredibly good for you. Yeah. So I wouldn't have any guilt. The miso paste is such a key ingredient. I lived in Japan after college with my um, then boyfriend, now husband. And so we first learned miso and we've had a a can, you know, not a can, but like a little jar of miso mm-hmm. in our refrigerator ever since because oh, yeah. it is such wonderful um, sort of um, flavoring for so many things, dishes, stocks, um, salad dressings. I mean, it's just oh, such yeah. a a hero ingredient. What what yeah. are the other kind of kitchen pantries staples that you have? I mean, you're very much uh, identified with butter. So I'm sure yes. I'm sure butter is something that's in your kitchen. But is, is yeah. there some kind of um, key pantry well, superhero? If I, was, if I was filling my fridge, you know, my freezer was sort of thinking about the staples for sure. I'm with you. Hey, I always want to have a jar of miso in the uh, miso tahini. I'd love the keep those in the fridge. Butter, you need a lot of butter, but also I'm a huge, every week I make chicken stock. I'm never without chicken stock in the freezer. Um, That just becomes, it's so handy and it goes in so many things and there's nothing like homemade chicken stock. So I always have that on the go. Um, I'm thinking about what, well, well, always herbs. Oh, and Without a doubt, if you don't have a bowl of fresh lemons on your counter, I mean, they're a centerpiece. They're a centerpiece and a condiment and a you know a, yeah. a key ingredient. Everything I, I reach I, for them like multiple times a day when I'm cooking. So that and um, yeah, next to that miso paste, I'd probably have a jar of Dijon mustard too. Yes, because I find it ends up in a lot of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, you 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 have such wonderful recipes, and I, as I said, the photos are stunning. But what I also love about Let Me Feed You and um, your other cookbooks is that you incorporate uh, little snippets of your own life. And at one point, you'd said that you see food as an edible conversation, and I, I just thought that was so beautiful to to think of food as a conduit for connecting with people, with friends, with family, with, you know, the people that used to go into your store. Tell me a little bit more about the role that you think food plays in in connecting and celebrating. Well, you know, the whole basis of Let Me Feed You or the sort of starting point for me was exactly what you're touching on. And that is, I view food and my cooking is the way that I speak to people. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm terrible. Don't ask me to get up and give a toast. You know, I I get so nervous. I get so stressed, but my way to connect and speak to people is through food. So, you know, if I, you know, if you've had a bad day, I'm cooking for you. If you've had a good day, I'm cooking for you. Um, You know, if we're celebrating your birthday, if we're, you know, we're, mourning the loss of something. If we're, these are all in me cooking for you. It's my way of speaking to you. It's, you know, it's, it's my way of of doing all those things, but mostly just showing people, you know, I love them and I support them. Um, And so that, that is the conversation part of it for me. I just, you know, what, what I can't find in words, I can find in food. I can do that for people. 
So And it's a universal I, language, right? I mean, it's, it is. it's a universal language. Everybody connects around food. And you said something else in your book that I also really loved, which is you, you were speaking specifically about your baking at the time. You said complicated doesn't necessarily taste better. And I, and I know you were talking about cookies and pies, but it really struck me that this was good life advice, you know, that yeah. sometimes simple is all that we need, and especially at the holidays. Is there is there a simple holiday tradition that you and your family do that gives you that cozy, happy feeling? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's funny now. I mean, our daughter's 28, so it's, you know, Christmas is, it's it, it changes. It changes, sure. But I think for, for me and my family, one thing that they do associate Christmas with and always have is my Christmas baking. Like, you know, this idea that we produce these things at Christmas time that we wouldn't normally uh, enjoy. And I, I love to have a variety of Christmas baking so that I can create these platters or for going to people's homes or we're having people in and you just get this, you know, bounty of all of these variety of treats. And I do that by sort of chipping away at it over a few weeks where I bake a different treat like every night and I wrap them all up, freeze them. And then, you know, come holiday, I can, I can bring it all out. And I think that my family, there's a part of that is that's Christmas for them. And this particular Christmas is pretty exciting because uh, I owned butter for 14 years and a huge part of my life, but I sold butter uh, as of June of this year. And this will be my first Christmas since it opened 14 years ago that I can pick up all of those traditions again for my family. So I'm so excited to be home to be home and, and producing baked goods for not just for the, well, not for the entire community. Right. Exactly. <laughs> for, a, for a smaller, for a smaller, lucky audience of your family. Exactly. So it sounds like um, you, you're still doing the cookbooks that you've sold butter and it's being run by somebody else. Now uh, your life is somewhat more simplified. Do you think that you've gotten better at simplifying as you've gotten, as you've, as you've aged or, has your cooking Absolutely. changed as you've aged? Tell me a little bit about what that looks I like. Think, I think, and maybe, you know, you might agree with this, but my thinking is as we age, it's not so much that we figure out how to simplify. I think we figure out what's really important and what's really important to us and what's really important to, you know, others. It just And that exercise in itself simplifies things. You know, there was a lot of, as a younger person, I think we overextend ourselves. We, you know, there's too many commitments. There's too many expectations. And, you know, the greatest thing about getting older is I don't really care about most of that stuff. I just, you know, I figure out what works for me and my family. So, um, yes, we, 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 we have uh, more clarity. Yeah, about where we want to spend our time and energy. And we also have a recognition that our time is really finite and that we need to spend it on, on what gives us the most um, exactly. pleasure and sense of sense of fulfillment. Has your yeah. has your idea of success um, changed as well as you've aged? Because I know that you started butter 14 years ago. You um, you, you had a side business sort of come along with the marshmallows and, and, and cooking. Have you 
change your idea of what success looks like as you've gone through this journey? Um, I think, I, I guess, I guess I, my idea or what I would consider successful. Yeah, I guess that's changed because again, I think as a younger person, the idea of success is probably, you know, bigger, bigger, better, better. Like how do we, you know, your, your, your this thing that you're chasing. Whereas now I, you know, I think I derive more pleasure from the success. Like I, you know, when I look at my cookbooks, um, you know, the goal with the cookbooks for me, I mean, personally, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't trying to like, you know, become the bajillionaire or something. I really love the process of being able to write these recipes and to, you know, photo, do all these great photos, work with great photographers and, and just the creative aspect of it was so fulfilling that, you know, and, and it did resonate with people, which is to me a real, that's the real success. Um, and so, you know, I just recognize sort of, again, what do I, what do I think is truly valuable? And if that, if I'm accomplishing that, then that's success to me. I it, it can, I don't think it's measured in necessarily in awards or in money or like, I, I mean I'm sure it is for some but it, it isn't for me. I'm just happy I'm happy through the creative part of it. I think I so connect with what you're saying. I adore making this podcast, connecting different with women, sharing their stories, and I enjoy every aspect of the creative process of bringing a show to life. And so I I, I can see why creating these cookbooks just you know. Um, creates that sort of feeling for you. Um, yeah. Rosie, we're moving into the the end of our show. I don't want to let you go without doing a speed round because I have so many questions that I want to ask you. And I'm okay. hoping you'll do this this quick speed round with me. We, okay. We need a, I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's, it's very, very easy. It's a one word answer, maybe two to complete these sentences. So okay. here we go. Favorite cookie? Nutty chocolate chip. The pie I could eat again and again. Mm, sour cream rhubarb. Ooh, that sounds phenomenal. Okay, buttercream or fondant? Oh, oh, buttercream. <laughs> I should have known. Cake stand or platter? Cake stand. My go-to kitchen tool. Mm, it's got to be, well, it's got to be my mixer. Mixer, okay. Most oh. overrated kitchen tool. Oh, how how many times can I answer this question? Because uh, I mean, like I've got a million answers for it. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the most overrated or the most like ridiculous? Like I, I either person- one. I go. Let's go with ridiculous. We want to hear ridiculous. Oh, the, the thing that picks, the, the, sure the thing that picks up pickles. Oh my gosh, I've never even heard of that. That does sound ridiculous. Oh, yeah. The little claw that puts put in a pickle jar to pick up pickles. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Listeners should add this condiment to their next shopping list. Well, we'll say miso. Yes, nice. This will definitely be on my Christmas menu. Ooh, this will definitely be on my Christmas. You savory or sweet? Ooh, let's do both. Okay. Um, definitely going to be on my, that's going to be Brussels sprouts with bacon and parm. And uh, Christmas baking, hundred well, 
peanut butter marshmallow slice. Uh, nice. Yes. Yum. Okay. I hope Santa is bringing me this for my kitchen. Oh. Um. Oh. One liter containers. <laughs> I, bet, I love it. Very practical. Okay, last question. <laughs> to ring in the new year, your champagne cupcakes or boozy chocolate truffles? Oh, can I have both? <laughs> yes. Yes, you can have both, Rosie. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you and keep following your work? Well, they can find me through Instagram at Rosie Dakin. And they can find me through rosiedakin.com. And that's probably the most direct place. Fantastic. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Thank you very much to Rosie Dakin for joining me, author of Butter Baked Goods, Butter Celebrates, and Let Me Feed You. Join me next Monday when we continue our monthly theme of celebrating and joy. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time, and until then, age boldly, beauties.